Well, good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mill Jones. I want to welcome you to uh, Kingdom Encounter Live. We are ID3, a.k.a. we are ID3. Let's just begin to declare that this is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and we will be exceedingly glad in it. Come on, this is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and we will be exceedingly glad. Man, I don't know about you, but I had a lot of opportunity this week to to not be glad, but I tell you what, I made a decision each morning before I stepped out of that bed and said, Father, I make a decision today to be glad simply because if I'm still alive, I still have another opportunity to give your name glory and to give your name honor and give your name praise. Well, again, my name is Mill Jones. I'm the senior leader here at Ignite Depot, aka We Are ID3, and it's truly my privilege and honor to have you join us. And I, I pray that you will share this with a friend, a family member, a neighbor, share it with a co-worker, somebody who you know really needs to hear the word of God in a practical way that will help them understand who God is and what his desire is for their life. And so we're going to jump right into the word today in the name of Jesus. And we're going to make it by making our declaration. And it says this in accordance to Isaiah 61 and 1. And it says this. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. To preach good tidings to the meek, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captain, and to open the prisons of them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. He said, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil for joy, for mourning, the garment of praise, for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste, and they shall raise the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. Father, to you alone we give all the glory, the honor, and praise that is due your name. Father, we thank you that this is the day which you've made. We will rejoice, and we will be exceedingly glad. Father, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Father, I thank you that our preaching and teaching will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but Father, let it be in demonstration of spirit and power, that the faith of the people lie not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the Most High God. Father, I decrease that you may increase all of you, Father God. Move up and down each and every hour, Holy Spirit, touching each and every person, touch each and every household, each and every listener, that burdens will be removed and yokes will be destroyed as a result of the word that will go forth on tonight. Father, I covenant with you for miracles, signs, wonders, manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit as you see fit. Let my tongue be the pen of a ready writer, writing the very oracles of your word upon the tablets of their hearts. May you alone be glorified, honored, and praised in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, let us all say amen. Again, my name is Mill Jones. I'm the senior leader here at Ignite Depot, and I want to thank you for joining us for uh, the message on tonight. Now, we've been in a series over the last, I went back and counted, over the last 13 weeks. The last 13 weeks, we've been going over a series uh, talking about, Lord, teach me how to pray. And a lot of times people, you know, they they uh, they might be coming on, on, a, on the third week or the fourth week, or we're actually going to be on the eighth week today. So we want, you know, if, if this is your first time listening or for your first time watching, hey, we have a podcast out there called Ignite to Life. Uh, audio podcast again, Ignite to Life audio podcast. We have a QR code on the screen, man. Just screen that, 
Just you know, scan that QR code, it'll take you directly to the podcast where you'll be able to hear this one and other broadcasts that we've already done in the past. Because you know what? When you begin to teach the word of God, and particularly when you're teaching a series like this, you build it in layers. So it's, it's not just like you just drop the drop the top right on top of it. You know, it's kind of like it reminds me of, you know, when we was kids, we used to play with Legos. And Legos, before you can build a house or a car or anything, you had to have a solid foundation. And it's the same way when it comes to when you start teaching the word of God or teaching a series, you want to lay a solid foundation and then begin to build onto that foundation so you can show people you know, so if you you don't want to start at the roof because people are, how did you get to the rooftop? No, we want to show you when you're talking about prayer, how did you get from the base of prayer all the way up to how we're building on tonight? Because I guarantee you, if you get a hold of what we're going to talk about tonight, this is, if there was one area, if there was one area that people get trapped up, caught up and stumble in when it comes to prayer, man, this is going to be that area. I'm so glad you took time out to, to, to join us. Now, if I was to give this message a title, the title of this message tonight is going to be The Practical Points of Prayer, part number eight. And this part is talking about canceling the debt. Canceling the debt. Canceling the debt. What are you talking about? Well, stay tuned. As I like to say, buckle up, buttercup, because here we go. <laughs> canceling the debt. Now, sometimes when people hear canceling the debt, they're like, oh, man, he's talking about my money. No, that was last week. <laughs> we was talking about how, how money and prayer work together. In fact, you know, this whole series came about about 13 weeks ago when, when I was praying. And the father says, I said, what is it that you would have me to share with your children? Here's how he says, he says, I want you to teach my people how to pray. And, you know, and I was like, teach your people how to pray. He said, teach my people how to pray. He says this, he says, uh, and of course, uh, Luke chapter 11, verse one, he talks about how, you know, one day when Jesus was praying, his when he was finishing up, his disciples came unto him and said, Jesus, would you teach us a model prayer? Or would you teach us, uh, when he's talking about model, he said, will you teach us a, a form or give us an example? Or will you give us, she us a sample of how we are to pray? And 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 his, because his disciples says, you know, teach us just like John taught his disciples. When you talk about John, you're talking about John the Baptist. And Jesus says this in Matthew chapter six, he says this to him. He says, hey, okay, if you want me to teach you about a man or prayer, he says this. He says, pray then. He says this way. He says, our father, first of all, you got to acknowledge who are you talking to? Our father who is in heaven, holy or pure and perfect is your name. So the first thing you want to do is recognize when you come into prayer, you want to recognize who you're talking to. And first and foremost, you want to realize that when you're talking, you're talking to God, the father. You're talking about Jehovah God, the father who is seated in heaven. He says, holy or pure, perfect is your name. And then he goes on to say, he says, Jesus says, now, when I come to prayer, I'm not going to be praying my will. He says, I'm going to be coming and I'm going to say, Father, I'm praying that your will be done. He says this uh, in uh, Amplified in King James chapter, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. He says, and your kingdom come and your will be done at, on earth as it is in heaven. So when you're coming to prayer, the, fir the first thing you want to realize is, one, who are you talking to? The Father who is seated in heaven. 
His name is pure. His name is perfect. And he is to be praised and worshiped and honored. You can't just walk up to God in no kind of way. You don't do that when you're talking about, you know, when you're going to the queen. You know, I was talking to one of our friends that we do prayer each day in a pastor's group and was talking to him about it and said, hey, you know what? There is protocol even when you when Queen Elizabeth was still alive. You couldn't just roll up on Queen Elizabeth any old kind of way. You had to come to her in a certain way in order to make sure you got interest. And it's the same thing when you're coming to prayer. You can't just roll up on God and say, yo, God, what's up, player? I mean, you can't come to God like that. You reverence him. You honor him the same way you would a president, the same way you would a prime minister, the same way you would a king. Even if you even if you don't agree with their policies, even if you don't agree with their legislations because of their positions, you would honor them. How much more when you come to our heavenly father, you are honoring him as you're entering to uh, 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 prayer within. Then you, he says, Jesus says, when you come to pray, he says, don't come praying your agenda. You want to come and say, Father, your kingdom, your kingdom of God is God's governing system, our rulership, uh, uh, our governing influence over a territory, our land, impacting it with his will, his purposes, and his intent. So Jesus says, Father, I'm coming to you right now. And he says, when I'm coming to you, he says, I'm praying that your governing influence to impact this land with your will, your purposes, and your intents will come in the earth just like it is in heaven. And then we went, you know, and then he says, now, once you, because the first thing you want to do, you want to make sure that when you're coming to prayer, you're coming to, you're, it's not for you, you to get God to agree with you when you're coming to prayer is to make sure you and God are agreeing on the, on the same things. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people believe that when they get, when they get saved or accept, make Jesus the Lord or supreme authority in their life, realize that you're entering into a relationship. You know, you have relationship, but then you have what's known as fellowship. A lot of times people believe when they mess up that they've they've fallen out of relationship. No, you're still in relationship with God, but you change the fellowship. What's the definition of fellowship? Two fellas in the same ship rowing in the same direction. In the same way, when you come into prayer, when you're coming into prayer, you is you and God coming in together in fellowship, two fellas in the same ship, and you're rowing in the same direction. So when Jesus was coming to prayer, he wasn't trying to get God to do what Jesus wanted to do. Jesus came to prayer and he was says, when you come to pray, you want to find out what is it that God wants to get done today? What, what area does his, is he trying to get his governing influence to impact uh, the land or the community or the city or the state or the province or on your job or your house, your family, your children, your finances, whatever the situation would be, what is, he, is his will he's trying to get done for that day? What is his will, his purpose, his intent for that day? And when you get in the same shit with God and you're both rowing in the same direction, guess what he says? He says, when you pray that my will be done, he says, then all these other things will be added unto you. Then Jesus says, after you don't pray according to God's most perfect will, now that you've prayed, asking that his kingdom come, that his will will be done, what's the next thing you do? He says, you can make a declaration, Father, give us this day our daily bread. Our Father, supply to us this day 
our daily necessities. So you're saying, Father, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to pray that your kingdom, your governing influence will come, that your will, your intents and purposes will be done in the earth, just like it is in heaven. And then what I'm going to do, I'm going to come to you, Father. What I'm going to say is, Father, give us this day our daily bread or give us this day our daily necessities. Now, we talked about last week about, you know, talking about money matters. You want to definitely make sure you go back and listen to that message talking about money matters and how prayer and money matters have how you resolve those issues in prayer. And the first thing we was talking about last week, man, you got to check your your relationship with money. A lot of times is is not that God doesn't have a problem with you having money. He just don't want the money to have you. And we found that out in first Timothy chapter six, verse number 10, talking about out of the passion translation last week, we was talking about this. It says, you got to check your relationship. What do you mean? Check your relationship. It says this in first Timothy chapter six, verse 10. It says, loving your money is a root of all evil. Pause and think about that. Loving your money. It didn't say, it didn't say having money. It says loving money is a root of all evils. And a lot of times when people read, heard this quoted when I was growing up in church, they said, man, money is the root of all evil. Say, if money is the root of all evil, why are you working then? You might as well quit your job. Oh, I can't do that. That don't make no sense. No more than it makes sense what it is you're saying. He didn't say money itself was the root of all evil. He says your relationship with money could be the root of all evil. How, how can you say that? He says, some people run after it as much, that, so much that they have given up their faith. He says that some people pursue and desire money so much that they've even given up their faith. He says, they're craving it. More money pushes them away from the faith into error. And he says, compounded misery in their lives. And we talked about this word avarice. Avarice is talking about how they had an inordinate desire of gaining our possession wealth. And are they covetous? Are they greedy? Or, you know, are they having an insatiable desire to gain? So he says, when you're talking about God didn't have a problem with you asking for money. Well, having money. God doesn't even have a problem with you saying, Father, give us this day our daily necessity. That daily necessity might be money. It might be peace. It might be joy. It might be a multitude of things, you know, but money is one of the areas as most people are concerned about today. But God said this. He said one of the things he said, you want to check your relationship with that money. Then we went on to talk about, you know, what we gave, we talked about a gentleman. We call him in the Bible, the rich young ruler and how he came to Jesus you know, in Mark chapter 10, verse 21, he, he came to Jesus and he's talking to Jesus. Hey, what must what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus was telling him all about, you know, you know, what does the commandment says? And, and the rich young ruler was talking about, yeah, I kept this commandment. I kept the commandment. Cool. I, I'm good. Then Jesus looked at him. It says Jesus did. He said Jesus looking at him. And then he says he, he, he looked at him because he loved him. And this is what Jesus said to him. He says, one thing you lack. Now, I don't know about you, but if I looked at my list of things that Jesus could have said to me, it's going to be a lot more than just one thing. Can I get one witness out there? Jesus would say a lot more than just one thing. But he said to this guy, he said, there's one thing you lack. And we talked about this last week. What, what's that one thing? What's that one thing that's keeping you from entering into a real relationship? Not no 
not no dating God, but I'm talking about really entering into a relationship with God. What's that one thing? And this is what Jesus said to him. He said, one thing you lack. He says, go your way, sell whatever you have. Give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then he says, and come, take up your cross and follow me. Now, of course, you know, the guy said, Woo, okay, bet. All I got to do is sell my stuff, give it to the poor. Then I will be setting up myself treasure in heaven. And he says, and he's, then he says, and to take up your cross and follow me. You would think, he, you know, he asked Jesus what he needed to do. And Jesus gave him something that the man never thought he would ask him to do. And the thing about it was Jesus was not trying to take anything from him. He was actually showing him an area in his life that is, is a blind spot that if he didn't address this area, his walk with him, every time he was faced with this situation, he would be drawn off because he had a wrong relationship with the money. How do you know he had a wrong relationship with money? Because the next verse says it this way. It says, but he, talking about the rich young ruler, was sad at this word. Now, he asked Jesus what he needed to do to receive eternal life. And Jesus told him, this is the one thing you need to do. And then the guy, he was not only sad, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. I like to, I, I look at seeing it like this. He was sad and it wasn't just the fact that he had great possessions, but those possessions actually had him. They had him locked and he saw that giving up those possessions and, and, and selling it to the poor, he saw it as a loss as opposed to a gain. He saw that giving up all his stuff was a loss and Jesus was trying to reveal it to him. And I don't know about you, but he's exposed some stuff to me before that I, initially when he says, hey, I need you to lay this thing down. Initially, it seemed like it might be a loss. But in the end of the day, it was actually a gain. And this ruler, he saw it as a loss. And not only was he sad, but he walked away not receiving eternal life, even though it was already available to him. And then it comes to ask you this question, then where is your trust? Is your trust in God or is your trust in stuff? Is your trust in God or is your trust in money? Is your trust in God or is your trust in your job? Is your trust in God? Because you know, Jesus already prophesied in Matthew chapter 21, that 24, that this world system is destined to fail. He says, so if you have your money or your trust is in your stuff or in supplies or whatever the case may be, he says, you, you have misplaced trust. And this, and this is what he says about the rich and ruler. He says this, he goes on, he says, he says, then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, he says, how hard is it for those who, who entered to the kingdom of God? He said, he says, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and, and said unto them, children, how hard is it for those who trust, put their confidence, put their faith, put their reliance, put their dependency in their riches to enter into the kingdom of God or into God's influence, governing influence, impacting it with his will, his purposes, and his intent. How hard is it for them to enter into God's way of doing things when they put all their trust and confidence in 
money. You know, it's funny when when um, I know one time when I, when, we, when I had first moved and everything, I was at the store and I was looking and I was going to buy my wife some shoes and everything. And and I was in the in the in the store and, and I and I uh, closed the uh, practice where I was practicing at and everything. And and I, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm in this new place and this new and this new beginning and all that good stuff. And then I was sitting at store. And when I was in that shoe store and I was looking at those shoes and everything and I found a nice pair of shoes for it and everything. And then I looked at my bank account and then reality set in that the money that I had in that account right there was the last money or the last paycheck I was going to receive from my practice. And from that day forward, I didn't, I didn't know how I was going to, how, uh, what, where my resources was going to come from. And I was kind of like, whoo. I mean, I looked at it like, oh, wow. And then this is what the Holy Spirit said. I, not that I heard a voice, but I just got this unction in my spirit that you're, you have had faith in your resources more so than you have had faith in Almighty God. And I, I was like, Father, I, I didn't even argue. I was like, Father, I repent. I ask you to forgive me. Show me how. To, and I'll make the adjustment. I didn't argue with it. I just said, Father, just show me how to make the adjustment. And then I went on a journey understanding what does it mean to have more confidence in God than I have in resources? Because people find their security in the things that they have. And people find security. You know, they look at their bank account and that bank account is fat. Are you got that bag coming? Are oh, you feeling good about yourself? But what happens? What happens when you have nothing coming into the account? And it, I mean, it's. You had you so low, you got negative, negative, double negative on your account. Where is your confidence and trust in? But God says this: put your trust in me, put your confidence in me, and I will make a way when there seems to be no way. Then Jesus says this: He goes, still, you know, we're still talking about prayer, right? Now we talked about how you can come to God and say, Father, give us this day our daily bread. And still in the same chapter, this is what Jesus says. He says, uh, where, where is your heart? He says this, and according to Matthew, I'm going to read uh, Matthew chapter uh, 21, when it says this, for where your treasure is or where your heart is, will always pursue what you esteem as treasure. So for for your heart will always esteem what you esteem as treasure. I'm going to read that same verse uh, in its totality, talking about it in um, in the Passion Translation. I'm going to read from uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, and it says this. It says, don't be keep hoarding for yourself earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. He says material wealth eventually rust, decay, loses its value. He says, instead, stockpile. Uh, he says, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. Now, you think about this, what, he, what Jesus said to the rich young ruler. He said to him, he says, go take whatever you have, sell, give to the poor. And he says, and he says, and you will have treasures in heaven. Why would he say that to him? He says, because when you begin to take your resources and begin to sow them in to the kingdom of God or begin to sow, those in, sow them in to, to the work of God, guess what happened? You're actually storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. 
You're literally storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And he says, you know, the thing about it, if you if you hoard up all your stuff on earth and, and you keep all your resources here on the earth and you never use it to, to be a blessing in the kingdom of God. He says, people, you're, you're holding on to it, but people, it can gain rust. He says it can decay. It can lose its value. I remember in, in the States a few years ago, they, they went, there was people whose 501 are, are uh, you know, 503s or 501k retirement plans. They had a million in there. And in one day, the stock market crashed. Their million dollars went down to 500,000 or 250,000. So it lost a value of between 500 to $750,000 in one day. It lost its value. He says, but the things that you have in heaven never lose their value. And then he says, for where your heart is, where you, for your heart will always pursue what you esteem as being treasure. So Jesus didn't say, again, there was anything wrong with having money. He just says he did not want you to have the kind, wrong kind of relationship with money. And what he's going, he says, he says, God's kingdom has to be first priority. God's kingdom has to be the first priority. He says this, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus says, I don't taught you how to pray. I've been teaching you how to pray up to this point. And he says, and what I'm telling you, after you ask me, you know, that give us this day our daily bread. And I'm telling you, check your relationship with your resources because you don't want to have more more confidence and trust in those resources than you have in the kingdom of God because your riches, no matter how much you have, they can rust, it can decay, it can lose its value. But whenever you sow, whatever treasures that you have stored up in the kingdom of God are stored up in heaven as a result of you seeking first the kingdom of God and, and doing things God's way. He says it never loses its, its value and nobody can break in and steal it and no, nor will it be able to decay. He, but he also says this, your first priority is always seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first God's governing influence to impact your situation or circumstance with his will, his purposes, and his intent. And, and, and live righteous or live according to God's way of being right. He says, and then all these other things will be added unto you. I tell you, I'll say it to you this way. When you pursue God, those things will pursue you. When you begin to pursue God, those things will pursue you. Now, what's our next step? Man, we're going to cancel the debt. Cancel the debt? What are you talking about? The next part in prayer that Jesus taught his disciples was this. And I'm reading out of the Amplified, and he says it this way. He says, and forgive us our debt as we also have forgiven, left, remitted, and let go of the debt and have given up resentment against our debtors. So another way to say it in the in the uh, New American Standard Bible it says it this way: It says for us to forgive and forgive us our debts. Now listen to this: You're saying to God, God, I want you to forgive me of my debts, as I also forgive those who are in debt to me. Think about that. To the same extent, God, in which I'm forgiving others, that's the same extent I want you to forgive me. Now, pause and think about that for a second. Now, when he says forgive us our debts, he's talking about forgive us or release us from the judgment or from the guilt. 
And he says, you know, he's, he's going on and saying, he says, for, he says, when we have strayed away from your purposes for our lives, Father God, we're asking you to forgive us, Lord, for when we have strayed away from your purposes and moved into another position and, and, and we have violated your known will. And Father God, we're asking you to forgive us for that right now. So when you're coming to God, you're saying, God, I'm, I'm asking you to forgive me, to release me from the judgment or guilt of, of, of straying away from your purpose for my life, moving into another position and, and violating the known will of God. Father, I'm asking you to forgive me of my debts and 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 as I also release others from invading our, 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 our domain or of purpose or you know having a conflict of purpose can lie or forgiving those who wander into our lane or who cause confusion in our lives. So Father, I'm asking you to, to release me from the judgment or guilt for the times where I've strayed away from your purpose and I violated your known will. And I'm asking you to forgive me just like I have released others. Think about that. Have I released others who've caused uh, who've collided or caused conflict or those who wanted or caused confusion in my life? Think about that for a second. You're asking God to do something for you at the same level or the same measure to which you're doing it for somebody else. You're talking about the kingdom of God way of doing things. You In God's kingdom, in God's kingdom, the principle is seed, time, and harvest. God's principle is seed, time, and harvest. And when you're talking about prayer, one of the first things you're going to have to make sure that you're doing when you come to prayer, and we find this in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, and it says this out of the New American Standard Bible. It says it this way. It says, whenever you stand praying, whenever you stand praying, what do you have to do? You have to forgive. You have to release any individual who's caused conflict or who's, who's caused confusion or who's, who's trespassed against you or, or, or they, they, they've knowingly violated God's will uh, uh, in your, uh, towards you. They, they've done something against you. He says, when you stand praying, you are to forgive. Now, a lot of times when people read Mark eleven twenty four, 24, it says, it says it this way. Therefore, when you stand praying, whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe you receive it and you shall have it. And in the very next verse, it says, and if you read out of the King James Version, it has the word and. What does that and mean? It, can, it connects whatever happened in verse 24 with what he's talking about in verse 25. And in verse 25, he says, it is a, and when you, whenever you stand praying. You are to forgive. He says, if you have anything, he said anything, if you have anything against anyone. It says, Jesus is saying this. Jesus is the one doing the teaching here, and he's teaching his disciples. He says, when you stand praying, you are to forgive if you have anything against anyone. He says, and, and why do you want to forgive anyone 
for anything that you have against them. Why do you want to make sure that you're doing that? Why do you want to make sure you're counseling that? He says, he says, the reason why you do want to do this, he says, is so that your father who is where in heaven will also forgive you your trespasses or forgive you when you have went knowingly went against his purpose or his will for your life. It's, it goes on to say, he says, but if you do not forgive, neither will your father who is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Remember, it says, Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. So he says, to the same way, you're saying, God, in the same way, you're, I want you to forgive me in the same way that I'm going to forgive somebody else. Then I'm going to tell you, I'll be a 100 transparent with you. Opportunities of offense will come. Opportunities for offense will come. Jesus said this in, in, in Luke chapter 17, verse 1. He's, then he said, talking about Jesus to his disciples, it is impossible that no offense should come. He says, it's going to come. I said, he said, it's going to come. He says, but woe to him through whom they do come. Jesus says, there is a possible that offenses are not going to come. So offenses are going to come. I'm going to be 100 with you. Offenses are going to come. Opportunities to be offended are going to come. But whether you get offended or not is a choice. I know. Opportunities for offense will come. But whether you get offended or not is a choice. You know what happens when you get offended? Man, it, 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 that word for offense, that Greek word is talking about scandalized. You know what that word scandalized means? It's to be caught in a trap. So because the adversary will set up opportunities for people to, to, to do something that's going to confuse, that's going to bring about confusion, that's going to bring about conflict, that's going to maybe bring some hurt, maybe bring some hurt feelings, might be some broken relationships. He's going to give make an opportunity. He's going to present an opportunity for you to get offended. But whether or not you get offended or not is a decision on your part. And the reason why he wants you to get you caught up in offense, because the moment you get caught up in offense, you get caught up in the trap. Man, John DeVere, uh, Bevere wrote this book called Beta Satan. And he's talking about this whole process about how it's like the, the, the offense is like is like that piece of cheese and that's sitting on the mousetrap. And, and the adversary will do whatever you got to do to try to bait you into trying to snatch that cheese. And the moment you snatch that cheese, guess what's going to happen? That trap's going to come on and slap you on your tail and you're going to be caught. And guess what's going to happen? As long as you're offended, you are paralyzed. That word scandalized literally means you are paralyzed. You are trapped. You can go no further than that offense. So what did Jesus say? He says, it's impossible that offenses should come. He says, but woe to those through whom they come. Offenses will come. But whether you get offended or not, it's completely up to you. And I'm going to share this point with you. What do you do when you've been offended? What do you do when somebody's trespassed against you? What do you do when somebody's done you wrong? I used to, there used to be this song, uh, we, you know, you said, somebody done me wrong. Somebody done me wrong. If you were singing a country song, I'm singing this song. Somebody done me wrong. 
All right, you sing the song, nobody knows the troubles I see. Nobody knows my sorrows. Everybody has opportunities. Man, shoot, I've had opportunity. You, you interact with one individual or you interact with a group of people, you are going to have an opportunity to have opportunities to be offended. Shoot, Pastor June and I, we, we have a great relationship, but there are opportunities we have where we can get in offense if we choose. But I'm going to tell you, this is what we do. As soon as we realize that something ain't right, the first thing we say to one another is, hey, we, we don't do that here. We don't do that here. We, we give no place to the adversary. We give no place to the devil. And, the, and I'm going I'm to share with you what it is that I do when something comes up. The first thing I do, I know my flesh wants to wants to give her a piece of my mind or she wants to give me a piece of her mind. But the thing about it is, is this is the first thing I say, Father, I choose of my own free will to forgive. Whether she forgives or not, I've already made a decision to forgive her. And I hope no. And this is I'm telling you, I do the exact same thing that the word is saying to do. I make a decision from the very jump. I hold no ought or unforgiveness against her. None at all. What do you have to do? This we also have a song that we sang in the house. This is what I sing to to <laughs> Pastor Jew. And sometimes if, if, if she kind of have a she kind of in her feelings a little bit, I start singing a song from Frozen. What's the song from Frozen? Let it go, let it go. And I and I'll be singing that song to her. And so, so first she would get mad, and, but then she start laughing. She think, ah, okay, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. And why am I saying you got to let it go? Because that's what the word says. You got to let it go. And according to Luke chapter 6, verse 37, it says it this way. You've got to let it go. You got to let it go. In fact, it says this this way. Luke 6, 37 says it this way. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Now, most of the time when people read Luke 6.38, they're thinking about finances, but God, Jesus here is, is talking about, about the judging, about the condemning, and about the forgiveness. He says it this way. He says, he says, give, give forgiveness, and it will be given to you. How? Good measure, press down, shake it together, and running over will men give into your bosom to the same measure that you that you use forgiveness, it will be measured back to you. The same measure which you condemn, it will be given back to you. The same measure which you judge, it will be given back to you. So you're the deciding factor who has to say, you know what? I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to cancel the debt. I'm going to forgive this individual. I'm not going to hold it to their charge. Whether they meant to do it on purpose or not meant to do it on purpose, I'm going to make a decision from my heart to forgive them of whatever situation or circumstance that they trespassed against me. Because when I'm coming to God and I'm saying, God, I'm asking you to forgive me, uh, release me of the of the times what I have gone against your way. Release me of the time that I violated your will. Release me of the times that I have, have released me from the journey, from the times I have turned away knowingly or unknowingly and violated your will. And I'm asking you to forgive me the same way I'm, I'm releasing people who have violated my will, viol, co caused conflict, caused confusion, whatever the situation may be. 
in my life. The same way in which I'm forgiving them is the same way I'm asking you to forgive me. Because you remember, when you stand praying, Jesus says, when you stand praying, you must forgive. You must cancel the debt. You must, like we just said, you got to let it go. You got to let it go. And he says, and, and it, he says, because if you have all or if you have anything against anyone, I remember one time I was in prayer and I was praying, I was going all in. And and he says, you need to forgive so-and-so. I'm like, forgive so-and-so. And, -so. and I, I'm not talking about it was something that was recent. It was years ago. He said, but you need to forgive so-and-so because the adversary is using that as a door to keep trying to come in to get you caught up in offense. Remember, offense is when you take the bait and, and the Greek word is scandalite and it's causing you to get caught in a trap and it's paralyzing you. And you and from offense, you, be, you become angry, you become bitter, and you have resentment if you don't deal with that offense. And Jesus said, opportunities of offense are going to come, but whether you get offended or not, it is a decision. And I'm not going to say, I'm not going to lie to you and say it's always going to be easy because I'm, trust me, I've had some times when people, people I really cared about, love, and they, they violated my trust. And whoo, whoo, if I was not the guy who I am today, man, it could have been really, really bad. But, and, and, and from the very beginning, the first thing that the father said to me in those situations, son, I need you to forgive them right now. Forget and I was like, forgive them? Do you understand what they did? He says, I need you to forgive them because if you don't forgive and they are not forgiving, how, who am I going to use to bring some wholeness and some healing and some restoration to this situation? So I had to do it by faith. Father, this is, I'm telling you, 100. Father, I forgive them by faith. Do you know how many times I had to say that? I had to say it and keep saying it and keep saying it to the point where I believed it. And the more I said it, guess what happened? That weight started lifting. And I, it didn't lift overnight. It took a little bit of time. But guess what? The more I said it, because your emotions are going to say something altogether different. That's why he gave you emotion, but he didn't say to be led by your emotions. You have emotions, but you're not to be led by your emotions. Because a lot of people in prison today was led by their emotions. They had one moment of yielding to their emotions. They went crazy, done something bad, and when react, when they calmed down, they realized the, the, what the uh, situation had brought about. But in this time when you're talking about coming to God in prayer, and Jesus is teaching his disciples about prayer, one of the key elements is, Father, forgive me or cancel my debts just like I'm counseling other people's debts. When you come to prayer, you don't want unforgiveness to be that barrier between you going from yes and amen and whoop, there it is. You don't, you don't want to be that to be your barrier. So why, why would you ever want to forgive? Because God forgave us. In fact, in fact, he loved you and I so much. He sent his son Jesus to down the cross to do what? To pay for us, pay for a debt that he didn't even create. He paid for a debt that we could not pay. He shed his blood to pay for a price for our sin that we could never pay. And he did it so that we could enter into a member, into a relationship with him. 
to enter into a right relationship with him and enter into a right relationship with the father. See, remember, when you come to prayer, you're in when you're in relationship. And when you come together in prayer, you're coming together for fellowship. And what is fellowship? Two fellas in the same ship rowing in the same direction. So you're coming to prayer to find out what God's direction is for that day. And one of the things you want to do when you come into prayer is you want to forgive if you have anything against anyone. And man, you can ask God, Lord, is there somebody who I have something against? Trust me, he will tell you. He will tell you not to put you on the shame show, but because he doesn't want you to give a way or give a doorway for the adversary to be able to come in to, to uh, accuse you. Now, why is that all important? Because in order to, to be able to really partake of this great opportunity to come to God in prayer, first thing you got to do is you got to get a right relationship with him. And a lot of people, you know, for whatever reason, they, they either were in a relationship with him and they kind of fell off a little bit or they was in a right relationship with him. And then they, they, they had a relationship with him, but they don't have fellowship with him anymore. for whatever reason. So they might have prayed and something didn't happen the way that they wanted. Somebody at the church might have said something that offended them or some, some, this situation. Happened. Trust me, if you go to anybody's, not just church, you can go to work, you can go to a job, you can go to a shopping mall. There, you, anytime you're dealing with people you are going to have an opportunity to get offended. Offenses are going to come. Whether you get offended or not is a decision. But Jesus came and said this. He says, you know what? I love you so much, I'm going to lay my life down for you. God says, I love you so much, I'm going to send my son Jesus to die for you, to, to restore you back in a right relationship with me. He says, but you got to make a decision to receive the free gift that he's offering to you. He's not going to force it on you. He says it's a free gift. And he says it's so simple. So simple to receive it, a child can do it. He says in accordance with Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, he says this way. He says, the word of God is near you. He said it's in your heart, it's in your mouth. It's the word of faith which we preach, that if you will confess or acknowledge with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and that, and that God truly believe that God raised him from the dead, he says, you will be saved. He says, for with the mouth, he says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with, but with the mouth, Confession is made unto salvation. So how do you partake of this free gift that's been offered to you by Almighty God? Man, all you have to do is pray and make this make acknowledge Jesus as Lord. And I'll, let me lead you in that right now. So whether you pray this prayer many years ago or you want to be this to be day one for you, pray this prayer with me. Say it out of your mouth, mean it from your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe. Jesus Christ, he is the son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. I believe he was put in the grave, but now he's risen. He's alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. I repent of sin and I Accept your offer of forgiveness. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, man, if you pray that prayer for the very first time, we want to welcome you into the kingdom of God, welcome you into right relationship with God. But most important, welcome you into the kingdom of God. Now you have a covenant right to be able to come to God boldly in prayer and to receive an answer when 
you pray. Now, most people say, well, what do you do now? Now that you're born again, man, you got to get in a word-based church. What does a word-based church do? A word-based church is a church that teaches you about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, teaches you about the love of God, but also teaches you more importantly about the kingdom of God. You know, when you get born again or when you get saved, you're transitioning from one way of doing things, one governing influence to a whole different system altogether. And that's when you're coming into the kingdom of God. Man, we want to give you an opportunity to uh, uh, join us here each week at 6 p.m. Atlanta Standard Time or 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you'll be able to catch this broadcast and and, and sh- be able to share with uh, you and your friends, your family member. Y'all can actually have a watch party. And we also just put the QR code up there for the podcast. If uh, listen to a podcast, it's easier for you. Man, we'll give you an opportunity to do that. Also, we want to let you know, hey, about that book, uh, Point of No Return. It's out there on Amazon all around the world on Amazon right now, uh, how to discover your true identity and purpose. And if you want to be a blessing to the ministry, man, we have a QR code up there. Or you can go on our website and Ignite to Life uh, and be able to find where it says give and you can sow into the ministry by way of e-transfer, by by. Um, Click it on the website and it has a uh, has a place where you can go and you can actually uh, make a donation to the ministry and help us to be able to spread this gospel of the kingdom all over the world. Now, on behalf of uh, the entire Ignite Nation and Pastor Julian and myself, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. And remember this, you want to forgive others just like God has forgiven you. Have a blessed day. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Bye-bye.